Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, hello, and welcome to Food Network Obsessed. This is the podcast where we dish on all things food with your favorite chefs, food influencers, and Food Network stars. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and today we have a Romanian-born recipe developer on the podcast to talk about her favorite thrifted finds and how she gets inspired. She is a social media star with just over a million Instagram followers. It's Carolina Gellin. Carolina, welcome to the podcast. First of all, I am so impressed that you speak five languages. So we thought it might be fun for you to say hello to us in each one. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Same. Let's start with Romanian, okay? which is my mother tongue. Mm-hmm. In Romanian, good day or hello, it's bună ziua. Okay. And then in Hungarian, we have Yonapot. Hungarian is what my father's side of the family speaks. Okay. Then we have English. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Hello. How's it going? Hello. Uh, Then we have French. Bonjour. Mm -hmm. Uh, French is a language I learned in high school. Okay. So it's still a little fresh, but pretty comfortable in it. And then last but not least is German. I actually, when I was little, I think I was like four or five, my parents worked, were from Romania, but they worked in Austria for a few months. My dad was like a handyman Mm -hmm. and my mom was a cleaning lady at this like very rich person's house. And I picked up German from playing with their children. So (laughs) even if it's not like super fresh in my memory, I'm like, hello or hello, guten tag. Hello. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, yeah. put me in Germany. I'll be fine. You know? Yeah. No, it's so, it's so incredible. I, I think like how kids can, can absorb that and pick it up so quickly just by playing with other kids. Whereas like as adults, it takes us, you know, years to, to perfect a language like that. Right. Totally. And you know, what's funny, my parents, they don't speak English, but okay. they speak German still and it, they do it really well. And I'm like, why didn't you like nurture that more? <laughs> I wish I, <laughs> I spoke it a little better. <laughs> They're just like, oh, she's fine. She's just playing with those children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, as you mentioned, you are from Romania and you have been living in the States, though, for the past two years. Uh, Correct. What do you miss most about home? The first thing that comes to mind back in Transylvania I think what I miss most is probably produce, okay. produce and bread. I think you just can't compare the taste of produce there. It just tastes like the tomatoes were kissed by the sun. Like everything's <laughs> just so fresh and delicious. And also it's a funny thing how in, in the U.S. you have to look for organic stuff or to make sure everything's like it has some sort of taste to it. Whereas I remember like in, in Transylvania, you go to a farmer's market. I don't even bother to look if something's organic or not. Like I just know it's going to be great. And also bread. I, I, it was such a culture shock for me to come to the US. I'm like, oh, I just want to buy some bread. And every <laughs> single bread here is like, I don't know. It has like 50 ingredients. It's super soft. <laughs> it's somehow sweet and tastes like dessert. I'm like, just give me like a crusty dry bread. <laughs> you got you to gotta seek out all the bakeries, right? Instead of, Definitely. Instead of the grocery store. Definitely. Uh, I feel like unless you're in New York or LA, mm-hmm. finding like really nice bread is is a little bit more difficult, but I'm getting to it. I feel like I'm getting to know the area. I have, I'm very fortunate and blessed to live next to Uh, some really great farms. Mm. So building that relationship with the farmers and going to their farm and picking vegetables and produce from there does the job. So love that. Well, you moved here to pursue your culinary career. What what was the first thing that you cooked that you learned to cook that kind of sparked this passion for you in the kitchen? Oh, great question, Jamie. (laughs) The first thing I can recall is maybe when I was five or six years old, my mother used to always make donuts, like just donuts made some from scratch, powdered sugar donuts, no glaze, just powdered sugar. <laughs> um, and I was, she always let me get involved in the process from making the dough to shaping the donuts. I remember she has this, um, <laughs> it was like a flannel almost, like a um, linen for the kitchen table. And I remember this pattern distinctly because it was like, it had red stripes. And whenever I would see that pulled out of her cabinet, I'm like, yep, it's donut day. It's like, donut I know, time. <laughs> yes. It would, it would be like a trigger. I'm like, I see that linen cloth. I'm like, it's donut. Because she would proof the cut dough on that mm-hmm. cloth. And uh, she would always, she would always let me shape it and cut the dough. She would be the one to fry it. And something I always love is um you know how you cut the donuts and you're left with these scraps mm-hmm. she would always let me play with those scraps and like make these weird shapes and of course the dough wasn't as proofed uh-huh. because like you like knead it back and it's like super tough but it was just so fun to play with that so I think that was the first thing I can recall 
that really sparked a huge joy in 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 me. Um, wait, am I mistaken in thinking your your Substack is named Scraps too? Right? It is. It is indeed. Oh my gosh! Look at you, is Jamie. It com- <laughs> is, it, is that where that comes from? Uh, yes, I think I I titled my my newsletter Scraps because I intended it to be like scraps of information or like a, a scrappy way of cooking, like. Hey, here's this newsletter that will prevent you from wasting food and also give you fun little bits and bobs to do with different scraps you have in your kitchen. So I would that 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 scrappiness was planted in me from from very early on for sure. And my mom, you know what's funny? She would and again, whenever I still uh, whenever I see a stainless steel bowl, mm-hmm. she my mom would have this big stainless steel bowl and she would put like 20 powdered donuts in it and put them in front of me like as I was watching cartoons or something so so I would just sit there and like whenever the the bowl would be empty she would come and refill it amazing that sounds like a dream I know donut donut day like I, I wish I had someone to do that for me now that was amazing I also love that you are just all about kind of embracing, you know, your mistakes, your failures in the kitchen along with your successes. Why do you feel it's important to, you know, to show those and not edit them out? Well, first of all, less editing time for me. So So, little secret is just you are lazy with your editing. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I think there's just enough perfect people online Mm -hmm. We all know them. We all follow them. I enjoy following them, but I make a willing decision to follow them and tell myself, okay, that's not real. They spent, and I think it's funny because, because I work in the industry and I know and understand the behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. I can watch a video and identify like, oh, that didn't just happen. You had this and this and this person do this and this and like, there was way more to those two <laughs> minutes than everyone sees. And I think, especially working by myself, filming myself, editing myself, really allows me to show people that, you know, even if you're following a chef or a recipe developer online, they're still learning, they're making mistakes. If they're who you look at, because I'm sure you follow them and you think they're professional and they never mm-hmm. make mistakes. I think humanizing that aspect, like, hey, no, even if someone worked in the kitchen for 25 years, they're still learning and they're still making mistakes. And that's the beauty of the journey. You know, you don't have to know it all. And I think that's the best part of it. Like once once you accept that you don't know it all and you're not the smartest person in the room, that's when you get to grow and learn and be better at your craft. Yeah. I mean, we're at the end of the day, we're all human and we all we all make mistakes. Right. And for sure, I think showing that and showing that you are just, you know, a human like everybody else. I think sometimes you see somebody on the Internet and you don't, you know, you kind of like disassociate them with like just being like a a regular person. So I think that that's really cool. Um, What what kind of feedback have you gotten since you kind of started your page and, and started, you know, growing your audience to what it is today? I think people feel very empowered by embracing those mistakes. And whenever I create recipes, I always try to encourage the reader and my community to make a recipe their own, because unless 
you cook with me side by side at my altitude in my house, in my oven, no recipe is going to turn identical to mine. And I think dropping those hints in my instructions like, hey, this is going to look like this and it's going to look weird and curdled, but just keep going and you'll see that somehow it all ends up emulsified. I remember having this American recipes growing up and I grew up in like a, it was a one bedroom apartment, really tiny. We had this gas oven and it had numbers on it, like one, two, three, four, five. It didn't have like temperatures. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was making this like low, medium, high. <laughs> right. Totally. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> and uh, I was making this pavlova and pavlova is like a meringue based cake-ish. And it needs to be baked at a very low temperature. And my gas oven (laughs) doesn't know that that exists. (laughs) So what I did was I sat next to the oven. And it's funny because with pavlova, you're not supposed to open the door because it starts Mm. cracking. But I used to like go to the oven every five minutes and open the door. (laughs) So the oven stays like at a super low temperature. And the funny part is that was the best pavlova I've ever made. It was my first one. I'm like, man. And, and you will never replicate that ever again. Never replicate that. I, I need to go back home and, and turn on my my old rusty oven to do that again. But that sort of resourcefulness, I think, really teaches people to trust themselves in the kitchen and follow their instincts. And if something smells burnt, it's fine to turn off the oven even if the recipe calls for five more minutes of baking. Like, just make things your own and you'll be fine. At what point did you kind of realize, like, you were on to something? You were connecting and really resonating with your audience as it was starting to grow? I think connecting with the audience and my community in DMs Mm-hmm. live DMs, like back and forth right early on. I, I didn't even have followers. And maybe it was like, I don't know, 1,000, 2,000, which is still, it's a huge amount of people sure. when you put them in the room. But I feel like nowadays it's like, oh, I'm just like, I'm a nobody. I just have 10,000 followers. And you're like, no, like <laughs> that's a <laughs> lot of people. It's funny how we're used to saying that. But no, right in the beginning, when you when you connect with people in in the in the DMs and people make your food, people send you pictures of themselves eating the food at their dinner table with families around the food that you Aww. developed or the recipe you developed, that feeling doesn't get old. It really doesn't get old. Even now, I encourage my my lovely community to send me pictures, share these moments with me because it doesn't get old. Every single time I'm like, oh, my gosh, someone made my recipe? It's, it's <laughs> incredible, you know? I remember the first time that happened, I didn't actually realize like people would follow my recipes. Mm-hmm. So right in the beginning, because again, I feel like when you don't really plan things, you just fall into, which is a blessing. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm so grateful to be where I am. But my point is like, you don't know how the industry works because you just fall into it and you're just sorting and figuring things out. So you would just post a recipe that's not tested that you're just like, oh, here are some instructions, whatever. And then someone followed that recipe. And I was like, oh, 
someone actually followed these instructions I just wrote in 10 minutes before posting (laughs) this video. I went back to the recipe, panic made it all over again. It worked. Thank goodness it worked. (laughs) But it was just, I freaked out. I was like, people, like, it's a huge responsibility Mm -hmm. because people are following those instructions and following your measurements and you want to make sure they work and someone's not going out of their way to buy groceries, Mm -hmm. spend time making the recipe just for it to turn out miserably and for them to waste a bunch of money, time, and food. So it's it's a huge responsibility, but I think that was the moment where you're like, wow, it's 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 so hard to describe, but it's something that makes you incredibly grateful and humble to just connect with people all over the world and have a part of your craft be a part of their lives. It's it's surreal. Oh, that's incredible. Um, did that moment kind of make you I guess, reevaluate your, you know, recipe testing or your recipe development or how you write and how much time you take on doing those. Do you, do you now do a little bit more of that just to make sure all of those things you mentioned that somebody's not going out and, you know, wasting their grocery money on something that doesn't work? A hundred percent. It's so much pressure. Since that moment, <laughs> I'm like, I can never let this happen. I'm going to test the recipe a million times. And <laughs> I follow, you know, it's funny. I follow my own instructions a lot and put myself in a reader's position that doesn't know anything about cooking or baking that hasn't stepped a foot in the kitchen and see if someone like that can understand the instructions. And whenever that happens, the recipe is ready. But you, you'll you notice with my recipe development, you'll not see something like, cut these carrots into like julienne style. You know, it's gonna, mm-hmm. I'll have to, if I have to use a word like julienne, I'll have to explain what that means and maybe mm-hmm. teach someone that follows the recipe as they're following the recipe. But Sometimes matchsticks is a clearer word for some people. And I prefer to use that instead. Instead of trying to prove like, oh, look how much I know about cooking and baking. It's like, no, look at this. And if you've never baked a day in your life, you this cake, you can follow this cake recipe and it'll be successful. And I think having a blog and having such a direct relationship with my community made me a better recipe writer because they always asked me amazing questions. I always encourage them to reach out to me and ask me questions. No question is a dumb question. We've all been there, you know, just because you don't know what kosher salt means, that doesn't mean you shouldn't ask that. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. ask all the questions you have and if I can make the process clearer for you, I'm more than happy to because I'm just here to help you cook better and make food fun and enjoy, help you enjoy being in the kitchen. And I always, always, always try to sort of predict what questions a recipe would get, like mm-hmm. once it's posted and answer those questions in the instructions already. But even then, you still get questions. And I think it's just, it's this amazing, like, creative process where it's, like, continuously refining, refining, refining the craft. 
Are you still, you know, able to get to all of your DMs on a daily or weekly basis? That's got to be very overwhelming. I'm not doing a great job getting at back to all of them, but I still make it a point to get back to most of them for sure. Mm-hmm. It is, it, it's, it's something that I feel like you don't really have in any other industries where you can have such a direct relationship with your community. So mm-hmm. I, I still, I'm still very grateful that people give me their time and attention and I'm more than happy to give them my time and attention, especially I will prioritize, um, DMs that are regarding a recipe, like if they had a question or if a recipe, it it somehow ended up poorly or badly, Mm -hmm. like the result was messed up. I'm more than happy to walk them through the recipe and kind of figure out what went wrong. So those are the priority. And then everything else, whether it's someone recreating my recipe and showing a picture, I'm like, I always want to get back to those too. <laughs> I always want to get back to everyone. It's just sometimes I'm a one woman show. So yeah, it's, it's a little hard, but I do, I do try my best and I don't want to give that up for sure. Yeah. I mean, when I scroll your, your Instagram feed, there is a very, very like welcoming, lovely orange vibe throughout. Is that intentional or is that just kind of a reflection of the the types of dishes and ingredients that you use mo- more often? You know what's funny? You're not the first person to to say that. And recently I had to redo something on my website and I'm looking for some different colors for my website. And when I was scrolling through my thumbnails, I'm like, there is a lot of orange in here. <laughs> it was never it was never intentional or or like planned out. I think I bake a lot. So a lot of the stuff is like golden brown and orangey, mm-hmm. but it makes me so happy that it's such an inviting and and warm color. So if that's the reaction I get from it, then yes, I'll, I'll pretend it's planned. <laughs> yeah. It's like a warm hug. It's nice. Um, I mean, how would you describe your, your cooking style and the ingredients that are, you know, consistently in your recipe rotation? I think approachable and, and, making my goal is to make cooking approachable but also fun you know when you make a recipe like I've made this before where I follow a recipe that makes me cry three times by instruction number 10 (laughs) Um, and I don't want that for my community I want these to bring joy and gather people and loved ones and family around the table. Like, I don't want you to be so stressed about the dishes and the instructions and everything's so unclear. And you have to drive your car to the next city to find this very ingredient. Like I want it to be as easy and simple and shareable as possible. So I think approachable is, is a good word that defines that. And regarding the produce... I think I'm mostly getting inspired by just local seasonal produce. Mm. As I've said, I am very blessed to live next to some really great farms. And whatever I can pick from those farms dictates the recipes I'm making. And it's just nice to not have anything planned and just let yourself inspired by whatever is in season or whatever is in the clearance aisle or whatever goes bad in, I don't know, on your kitchen counters. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I have this, um, I have this very generous neighbor that always has free squash 
she has wow. a stand with free squash in front of her house because she grows it for fun and she's not going to sell it. Like it's, it's so nice to be a part of such a community where it's oh, like, wow. you see these signs like free crab apples, come pick them from my backyard or free squash. And I always get free squash from my neighbor and, um, I always overcommit. So then I freak out because I don't want to waste it. Because <laughs> you took but, it because it was free yeah, and she like, was giving it away. <laughs> I have 15 pounds of squash staring at me every day <laughs> in my kitchen. So that basically forces me to come up with a fun way to use a lot of squash in a recipe. <laughs> <laughs> and thank goodness I have enough for testing and developing the recipe and also gift them some to my other neighbors. <laughs> what, what, what are you loving with squash right now? With squash, I've been making this um, squash cake, just grated mm. squash, summer squash, grated flour, spices, a little bit of cocoa powder. It's sort of like the banana bread, the, the banana bread of zucchinis and squashes. Okay. <laughs> it's really good. It's so moist that this squash really brings in that. You don't really taste it. It's not like a carrot cake where you can actually taste a carrot, but it brings in a level of moisture that's incredible. Carolina discusses her love of thrifting and later reveals her must-have pantry staples up next. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
Um, I know you also love thrifting and finding treasures. Um, can you tell us about maybe a time that a found item inspired you to create a dish? Absolutely. The first thing that comes to mind is a butter bell. Okay. Which for the audience listening, (laughs) (laughs) if you don't know what that is, every Sunday I have these thrift Sundays on my Instagram stories where I share items in thrift stores with polls on it. And my audience tells me whether to buy it or not. So they dictate what I, what I purchase. And when I shared that butter bell, most people were like, oh, don't buy it because they didn't know what it was. Okay. But then I'm like, let me just buy it and actually show you how to use it because it's this really cool contraption with it sort of looks like a ceramic mug with a literal bell in it. Mm-hmm. So it's a two piece and you fill the mug with some water and the bell with butter. And when you insert the bell in the water, it creates like an airtight seal that keeps your butter fresher for longer. So if you were to pull a stick of butter and keep it at room temperature, it would go bad pretty fast. Mm -hmm. But I feel like with this, it lasts for a little bit longer. And I thrifted that and I made, it was, I think it was around New Year's Eve. So it was like late December. And I made this vodka butter. Oh, yes. Vodka butter with some fresh bread and I think anchovies. It was really good. And the vodka butter kind of went a little viral, did it not? That is true. (laughs) Yeah, it it did get some traction for sure. It was was such a like, why would you put vodka and butter together? But what what does vodka do to butter, by the way? You can actually taste the vodka in the butter. And it was, it just added flavor. It was almost like a compound butter. So the same way you would make Mm -hmm. um, garlic butter for garlic bread, it was vodka butter, vodka flavored (laughs) butter. You literally mix vodka and butter together. So maybe don't (laughs) feed this to your children. (laughs) It's like a fun little appetizer to make for your guests. Uh, Do you have a single best thing that you've ever thrifted or is the, is the butter bell at the top of the list? No, I think the top of the list, the 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 cherry on top of it all has to be my marble table. It was okay. right when I moved to the US. It's very fun thrifting in the US, by the way. It's very <laughs> I find it very different. Maybe How because so? when I grew up, thrifting was a necessity. Like we, right. we just couldn't afford it. It's like a way of it. life. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I feel like nowadays thrifting really became something cool mm-hmm. and it's much more acceptable. And it's also so much more sustainable. Like Absolutely. another, another, what's that saying in English? Another man's trash, another person's treasure. His treasure. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's well, true. And and so your my treasure biggest, was this marble like table this, or countertop or yes, this marble table. It had like this giant cast iron support on the bottom. Oh wow. And okay. you know when you find something, it was a hundred dollars, by the way. It was oh, wow. it was huge. And you wow. know when you just panic buy something because it's like great, <laughs> but you don't think about anything that follows that. You're like, okay. Like how heavy purchase. it is or right. if it's going to fit. <laughs> so first of all, it didn't fit in my car. I have a really tiny old car. It did not fit in my car, which is like, okay, time to problem solve. I went to the UPS and rented this dolly. I had someone from the thrift store 
put the marble on the dolly. By the way, this marble is much bigger than me and also weighs probably maybe 300 pounds. Um, I really didn't evaluate any of my... <laughs> at all. <laughs> at all. I started dollying this marble table to my place. Go maybe like a block. And it's just like... I the You know when the road's not smooth and everything's yep. just like... You feel the wheels just like crumbling through the rocks. <laughs> And this woman stops because she saw me sweating and struggling. (laughs) (laughs) She sees me and she stops her truck, her big truck, and was like, do you need any help? I was sweating. I was sticky. I'm like, oh, my gosh, thank you. Of course. (laughs) So we get to my apartment complex. And, of course, I lived on the third floor. So Mm. and the staircases, it was like those tight ones where it's like maybe two people fit on them next to each other. Oh, wow. The solution was basically duct tape, cardboard (laughs) boxes around the marble board. Okay. And roll it up the stairs. And then I had to go back to the thrift store and get the cast iron base that also weighed like a hundred pounds. But that one fit in my car at least. So it was, but, but I but you still, have it now and it's treasured. I have it. It's, it's treasured. I worked for it <laughs> and um, I still shoot stuff on it. So it's, it's amazing. And I looked it up. It was like two, $3,000. Like it's wow. insane how much these go for. So it was no, worth a hundred dollars and the yeah, whole day. And, and all the sweat, the sweat equity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how would you describe your, your kitchen and your pantry space? I would describe it as an organized mess. (laughs) As much as I try to be like Marie Kondo, beautifully organized in like the little packets that are labeled and containers and all that stuff. It's just, I can't figure out how to, like I can do it. I can organize things, but I cannot sustain that. Like everything's going (laughs) to end up back into like this mess that's like I just can't sustain that. So I just, I think I'm just embracing the chaos. And and I know you just moved. Are you going to have, you know, some more space for that, for that chaos once, once the unpacking is, is finished? Yeah. You know, what's funny about that? My kitchen is a little bigger than, than my old one, which I'm very excited about, but something that humans do is just, we fill up spaces. Up like the space. Put, yeah. yeah, you could put me in a mansion and I'll figure out to like run out of space in a, in a week. It's, <laughs> it's amazing how that works. Uh, what are some of your must-have pantry staples? Must-have pantry staples. Um, flour, always a must. Kosher mm. salt. Good olive oil. Maybe olives. I always like to have like jars of olives whenever I don't have time to eat. I'm just like going to nibble on a whole jar of martini olives. <laughs> um, chips, always a staple. Butter, although not a pantry. Butter, I always have like a freezer, 
you know, those tiny racks on the door, I always make sure one of those is filled with butter. The entire rack. The entire rack. I, I you know, when I'm down to like five sticks of butter, I panic and go to <laughs> Costco and buy I more. I might run out. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, it's just five sticks. How am I going to make a cake? <laughs> um, uh, what would we, what would we be surprised to find in your fridge? Ooh. Um, I don't think anything in my fridge necessarily. Okay. Or I'm anywhere sure in there's kitchen, like, I guess. you know what I have in my fridge right now? I have, um, I'm trying to make some vinegar. I found this mother. It looks like a kombucha scoby. It's like a oh, vinegar okay. mother in my old vinegar. So I'm trying to do that. It looks a little bit like an alien. So <laughs> that's fun to look at first thing in the morning. But something in my freezer that I think would be surprising is popcorn. Okay. You I keep, keep popcorn? popcorn kernels in my uh-huh. freezer because the reason pop, popcorn kernels or cor- corn kernels, how would you yeah. say it in English? Popcorn yeah, kernels, corn kernels, right? I guess. Yeah. Corn <laughs> yeah, kernels. Corn pop, yeah. The reason popcorn pops, it's because it has like a tiny drop of water in it. And when that heats up, it basically just explodes. Mm. And as you keep it in your pantry, it slowly evaporates. And that's why your oh. kernels are not popping. So I always make sure to keep my popcorn in the freezer. Popcorn wow. kernels. Corn kernels. Yeah, not not popped popcorn. <laughs> not, not the popped uh, one. That would be a little well, weird. <laughs> as, a, as, a, as someone that makes popcorn almost every single night, um, I'm going to have to try that because yeah. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm probably going through my popcorn kernels. <laughs> fast enough that (laughs) that I'm fine but I actually but I do notice when I get to Mm -hmm. like you know the bottom of the bag or my you know container that I keep them in they definitely pop slower as as they have been opened longer so I I love that I just learned something new today thank you (laughs) I'm so happy to hear that no and and you never know for how long they've been in the store it's it's sort of similar to purchasing nuts like I also keep yep. those. Yeah, totally. I also keep um, nuts in my freezer to prevent mm. them from going rancid too fast. It just helps slow that aging process. Absolutely. Uh, well, I know you made a bagel breakfast sandwich for your episode of, of Crack and Egg With on foodnetwork.com. Um, and you actually used to work in a bagel shop. What did you learn from that experience that you still apply today with your cooking and recipe development? I did. I used to work at a bagel shop. And I think the biggest thing I've learned there, because it was my first experience working in the U.S., was customer service. I feel like anywhere, like America has this incredible customer service culture that you don't really find in other countries, at least in my opinion. Like, it was shocking to see the employees going so above and beyond for their customers. It was very, very inspiring. And it's something I've learned is to to leave my ego out and just listen to the customer. And even, you know, something I recently learned or recently read about was, you know, when let's say you find a piece of hair in your food. Mm-hmm. And you go back to a restaurant and you're like, hey, I found a piece of hair in this salad. It was, you know, I would like my money back or something like that. If the person you're talking to has a, oh, 
what a big deal. Like, I don't care. Reaction. You're going to have the opposite of that. Like, it's the end of the world. Look at how this person treated me. Whereas if the person that greets you and solves your problem acts like that piece of hair was the end of the world, Mm -hmm. your reaction is going to be like, oh, that's nice. Thank you so much. It's it's not that big of a deal. Like, wow, you're overdoing it, but thank you. (laughs) So I think that's something I've learned in the US to leave my ego out of the equation, listen to the customer and try to solve their problem that they're experiencing or just make them feel welcome. And I feel like that helped me a lot in establishing and creating and growing a community. And you know, when someone is angry and and comes back to me like, "Hey, your cookie recipe is absolutely terrible." and they turned out black in the oven, instead of me being like, uh, can you take them out faster? (laughs) I can be like, oh no, I'm so sorry. Let's figure out what went wrong. Maybe your oven is a little too hot and you needed to take them out a little earlier. Like I, I know how to navigate that much better now that I've had that experience in customer Mm -hmm. service, but also with baking, Baking at a high altitude, that's something I never had to deal with before working at that bagel shop. And the way the dough reacts at a different altitude, at different levels of humidity was incredible to learn. Um, So even the baking times or the baking temperatures are much more different than baking at sea level. So that was another great lesson. Um, what, what is the best lesson that you've learned so far in this journey? Ooh, like the whole journey. Yeah, the whole thing. Hmm. I think just always be open to learning from other people, whether they know more or less than you and put yourself in rooms where you're not the smartest person. I feel like it's just always being open to growth and yeah, I think that would be it. That's great advice. Um, It's been so fun and inspirational uh, chatting with you. We are going to wrap things up with a little rapid fire round. And then we have one final question for you here on Food Network Obsessed. Amazing. Uh, I'm so excited to hear them, Jamie. All right. Rapid fire questions. What is your favorite aisle at the supermarket? Uh, Probably the clearance aisle. That's the one I go to first. I'm like, I I love a good deal. I love a sale. So you'll find me in the clearance aisle. A very, very on brand. All right. Current, current food trend that you love. I'm going to say sourdough, although it's not much of a trend, but I feel like it did become a trend and Mm -hmm. I'm so happy more people are learning how to make bread. And I think it's just such a special thing to make your own bread from this little yeasty bacteria you grew in your own kitchen and your own environment. (laughs) It's, I think it's amazing that we've made that so much more approachable. Is your sourdough starter um, from the U.S. or did you bring it over when you moved? I brought it from Romania and it died. So, oh, <laughs> sorry to bring up bad, I bad memories. Somewhere, <laughs> when, when, I, when I moved, I had like three layovers. So I think somewhere in between the altitude changes and all that oh, stuff, sure. it just... I tried to revive it and it never happened, but I actually 
just made one. It's like two weeks old and my community just named it Herbert. Okay. So my little Herbert <laughs> so, is is alive and well. So <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to see uh Herbert grow and, and evolve over the years to come. Definitely, definitely. All right. Your your go-to snack. Go-to snack. I really love snacking on a cake. I just made a really good banana bread and I just ate three slices before the shoot. So I <laughs> love that. I really like it's it's such a great snacking food, but let's say I'm not in the mood for baking. I think just chips, chips and some olives. You okay. know, what's your you favorite what? chip? Um I have oh, I could talk about <laughs> chips for so long. <laughs> in in Romania, when you go to the chip aisle, you probably have like four, five, six flavors. So when I walked for the first time in an American grocery store, you can imagine the shock I've experienced when I saw like <laughs> 29 different flavors of chips. And to this day, whenever I go in the chip aisle, I have to spend like 10 minutes just seeing what's there. It's fascinating. And you know what I really loved recently was Doritos came out with these mustard chips. Oh. Mustard chips. And they don't sound like much, but then you try one. It was incredible. And unfortunately, it was a limited edition. Oh, I bummer. did <laughs> panic buy like five bags, but I went through them <laughs> in a week. So <laughs> I need to like reevaluate my my resources next time. But that is one that really stood out to me. It was incredible. They really made the they really, really nailed that flavor. It was sharp, it was spicy, so complex. It was incredible. Uh, I also like look out to see if they bring them back. <laughs> I know. I really hope they do. I, I hope they make them a regular because they were incredible. I also like um a sharp one, like a horseradish one. Mm, okay. I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. Kid in a candy store or Carolina in the chip aisle. Same thing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> uh, what is your number one kitchen pet peeve? Uh, I feel like it's not fair for me to say mess because you should see my kitchen after I film <laughs> half a video. Um, ooh, when people don't secure their cutting board. Mm. It's so dangerous. I see so many people just cutting and I, I'm guilty. <laughs> like, I, I, do this too. <laughs> I, I love how I'm like, these people. Meanwhile, yeah, I, you're like yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> me. I got my first stitches from cutting on an unsecured cutting board. Mm. I was cutting this uh, really dry bagel with a serrated knife on an unsecured cutting board that was just so slippery so everything just slipped into my hand and I had to buy my get my first stitches so secure cutting boards um it's nothing and for anybody listening that does not know how to do that what's what's how do you what how do you go about it takes it? you like five seconds get a paper towel and damp it just a little bit get it a little wet and maybe squeeze the water out place it on your counter and place a kitchen um, cutting board on the kitchen cutting board. Place the cutting board <laughs> on top of the wet paper towel. It's going to prevent it from going all over the place and slipping as you're cutting whatever you're cutting on it. Or a silicone mat also works. Mm. 
So I know some cutting boards already have the silicone on the back. Those also work too. But especially the plastic ones, like they really slip on that counter. So be careful. Or yeah, wood when it kind of starts to warp a little bit too if you're not totally. As well as, you know, I'm guilty of that as well. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, (laughs) Favorite fall produce? Favorite fall produce. You know what I recently tried for the first time and I think it's my favorite fruit probably ever? Plum cots. Plum cots. Mm. It's a, it's a plum and apricot mix. I got them from Whole Foods. They had a deal on them. And I'm, I'm just like, I, I was like, oh, a deal. Let me guess. Tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) You've got my attention. And I bought a bunch of them. I've never tried them before. They're like crisp, but juicy, but not so soft like a plum. Mm-hmm. It's like a mixture between a plum and an apple when it comes to crispness and they're tart, but also sweet. It's, it's incredible. So I don't know if that's even... No, they're amazing. It, it's probably uh, a fall produce. It's plums. I mean, yeah. I mean, a little bit late summer, early fall. Um, yeah, probably. All right. And final rapid fire book you would recommend to everyone. Ooh, I've been listening to this book called The Laws of Human Nature by Robert Green, Greeny. He has an E at the end. I'm not sure if you pronounce that. Um, it's just a really good book to learn more about people and how to connect with them and just to understand language patterns and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not much of a fiction person. Like if I'm going to read something, it's going to be something like that. So probably really <laughs> boring, but... <laughs> no, I like that. Um, our final question is not rapid fire. It is the same question we ask everybody at the end of our, our discussions, and every answer is completely different. So what would be on the menu for your ideal perfect food day? So take us through what you're eating for breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert, of course. Um, you can travel, time travel, spend as much money as you want, be served by anybody. Um, it's your day. We want to just hear what it sounds like. My gosh, I'm, I'm like starting to drool just thinking about the question. <laughs> no pressure. Um, <laughs> no, zero. No pressure. I think I'm going to start, especially now that I have all the money in the world to do this, Yes, I'm going to start in Greece or mm. some sort of like Mediterranean country, go to their farmer's market and buy like a bunch of beautiful produce, olives, like brined, you know, those big buckets of olives mm-hmm. that you can just like scoop, like scoop. <laughs> scoop and scoop and scoop olives out of them. Not the jarred ones. They're just like there's flies on them and everything. Those are the ones. Um, so yeah, just buy a bunch of like fresh fruit and fresh vegetables, like cucumbers and tomatoes and good quality olive oil and maybe some cheeses and some olives and some pastries from like a little bakery mm-hmm. and have that for breakfast. Yum. For lunch, I'm not much of a lunch person. If there's a meal I would have to cut out of my day, it would be lunch. I just eat it because I have to eat it. But I'm not <laughs> like, maybe it would be, you know what, since we're on a beach. Sure. Some sort of like beach food, like fries and like mm. a salad and maybe like, you know, those f- tiny fried fishes, like fried anchovies mm-hmm. that are deep fried. Mm-hmm. 
maybe those with some, with some like a crisp, nice coffee. Mm, okay. And for dinner, for dinner, I, since we're at the sea, we should also <laughs> get some fish. Yeah. I recently had this, you know, those restaurants that you go to, like I, whenever I go to restaurants, I'm like, mm, I can make this at home or, oh, I can make this like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm that, I'm not going to tell anyone that, but in my head, but I'm in like, your head, oh, you're I like, wish, oh. <laughs> I wish this had more salt. Like, oh, I wish I had salt on the table. Um, <laughs> I went to Masiba in New York. They opened like four months ago and it just, I met the chef. He was such a welcoming, like sweetheart. He just Mm -hmm. spent time with us, walking us through the menu. It was so incredible. It felt like you're eating at his place in his Mm -hmm. house and he's just feeding you like spoonfuls of cheesecake. (laughs) Um, so I ate this branzino there that was seared and it had like a Jerusalem artichoke salad with olives in it, green olives. It was tangy. It was salty. It was incredible. So I would either fly back to New York in my yes. little private jet from of Greece. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, or- order all of the desserts mm. on the menu. Try them all. Eat them all. Preferably, I, I, you know when you're alone at a restaurant and you're like, I don't want to like bring these desserts with me, but I also don't want them to get wasted. So I mm. guess I have to like eat 10 desserts. <laughs> So preferably we have other people at the table. Of course, anybody Jamie, can be there. you're invited to. I, I would love to. Yeah, I live in New and York. I'll pop right over. <laughs> incredible. Oh my gosh, you should try that place. It was, I, I went to. there twice and I have one thing on the menu that I haven't tried. I'm like, next time I'm in New York City, that's my Let's first go. stop. And I'm going to have, <laughs> it's a lamb neck, Ooh, I think, okay. or lamb shoulder. Mm-hmm. And it's like a shareable thing. Gosh, I'm drooling. But I think that I think that would be it. Okay. Just simple. And then maybe have like some nice wine mm-hmm. and then maybe come home and eat a bag of chips and <laughs> some another chips. olive yeah. or something, you know? <laughs> well, that sounds like a perfect Carolina food day. And uh, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to tell us your story. And we look forward to uh, watching the journey continue. I so appreciate the invitation, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me on. It was such a pleasure chatting with you. And thank you for all these amazing questions. You can watch Carolina's episode of Crack an Egg With on foodnetwork.com. And make sure you follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review. We love it when you do that. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday. Thank you. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 